0: Today we have Grant Patolny on our pizza podcast. Grant, the head coach at Northern Michigan, played his college hockey at the University of Minnesota, scored one of the biggest goals in Golden Gopher history. We'll talk about that and many other topics of concern with Grant and his life and his adjustment in Northern Michigan. Hope you enjoy the show.
1: is a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire
0: Alright Grant thanks for joining us today on this wonderful pizza podcast
1: Hi hey, Tony, thanks for having me
0: Well, this would be a lot of fun. We go back quite a ways to our combine days at the University of Minnesota and gotten to know each other quite well. Today, the rest of the audience will get to know you pretty well.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. We got some sh- some stories to share.
0: Yes, we do. All right. So before we dive into your playing days and coaching and coaching influences and all that fun stuff, let's talk a little bit about your adjustment. You lived in Maple Grove, I'm guessing for eight or nine years. Uh, Raise we're raising a family, and then it happened. You got your first big break in the coaching ranks and got the chance to coach up in Northern Michigan. What's it like? But what's the adjustment been like?
1: I well. I, good. Um, you know, I think it's important, um, just for the context of the story, just to talk about what, what kind of made the decision um sure. to become a reality for us. And um, you know, kind of got a break out of playing. Um, you know, you know, forever grateful for Don hiring me out of being a player and um became obviously the biggest mentor of my life in coaching. And um as as the, as we went, you know, year one, two, you're kinda learning the ropes. Year three, four, you're getting more. Um, you know, by year seven or eight, uh, Don had, had given me a lot of responsibility, and whether that was running the power play or working with the forwards or recruiting or academics. or um, You know, he really did a nice job uh, bringing me along and, and giving me responsibility. And I think it got to the point where um, I think he knew that I was um, ready for a little bit more, and he, he sat me down and said, hey, here's the thing. Um, there's no more that, that you can get here, and if, right. if you're okay with that, then you can stay here forever. Um, but if it's something that you want to pursue and, and you want to sit in that other chair um, now is the time because of all the progressions that you made. So you start kind of paying attention and um, different things come up and, and different things are presented to you along the way. And um, The one thing that, you know, I, I really thought was important is you have to go somewhere where you think you can win. Right. Um, so then this, this opportunity comes up and um, you know, we make the transition to, to Northern and, and, you know, it, it was a, a hundred percent professional decision and, you know, that, that were there going to be some adjustments with our family and, and personally? Yes. But, um, this was a decision based on, you know, the moving up and, and taking a chance at becoming a head coach, the things you didn't know, you know, and, and I'd right. never, for as long as, you know, i have I'd been in hockey and been around it. Um, Marquette's six hours from Minneapolis. So it's not like it's, you know, 10, 12 hours. I'd never been here for whatever reason. Right. Um, never you guys came never here as a player. You played Tech,
0: though, right? I'm sure. Played
1: Tech. Yep, yep. played Tech. Um, but Northern was in the CCHA when I was playing and coaching at Minnesota when, when we were in the WCHA. So I'd, I'd been to Tech, uh, been to Houghton, but I'd never been to Marquette. And, and you know, I, I take the job. And You know, guys that, you know, whether it's Bob Motzko or um, different guys that I've been through here, you know, they, that, that you're close with and that you communicate with, they, the first thing is they like, you are going to love market, And I was like, okay, um, sure. What am I, you know, what, what is it you're going to love about it? And there was no real person that could kind of put their finger on what it was right. and being here and get now being part of it. It's, it's the people here. And it, it reminds me a lot of, um, to be honest, of growing up in Grand Forks yeah. and, there's college there's town no you're the, you're here the show any. right everything
0: yep. right yeah there's a lot of
1: yep yep you're the only division one program um that's the most important um you know kind of event in town when that when you play on the weekend it's a hockey community and it's what everybody talks about and what whatever you you know the players go to breakfast on a sunday and, and they'll walk into a restaurant and people will be talking about you know the the backhand saucer pass that I made in the second period of the 10 minute mark. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it's the culture here. And it's really been, you know, that's really been cool. But the part that I didn't even think about was when you're living in Maple Grove and you're driving down to the U every day, um, you know, you kind of got a uh, for me, at least I wanted to get in there before the traffic started. So, yeah. uh, you know, you're leaving the house at, at 6 AM and we practiced that, 30 I think. So all of a sudden, it's three thirty. By the time you're done, um, you know, you shower, change, and, and you're in the car by four o'clock. If if you don't stick around for a second, and by the time you get home, you know, it might be five or six o'clock. And if the kids don't have anything going that day, it's not a big deal. But when they're going to soccer or hockey or baseball or lacrosse or whatever, they're swimming, whatever they're doing, you might not even see them until they get back from their event at you know eight o'clock because of what you you left so early they're gone um some of those things which is just what life is sometimes in a bigger city yeah um for us like if there's ice at the rink and it's open it's a phone call and they're down in five minutes they're boom they're 15 minutes later they're on the ice with me um i get to go to almost all their practices to see them because i don't see many games obviously they play when we play right. and that part of it i i didn't think about but it's been incredible for our family it's just the, the amount of time we've been able to spend together
0: that's that's something you think oh i've added this responsibility of head coach you know to my resume i'll see less of my family but now you're actually seeing more as a result of the community where you live right
1: yeah and you would and i never even thought of that i would i 100 was feeling the same way you were this is a professional decision there's a lot um, on my plate and, and there definitely still is yeah um but, but you know like i have the ability to drive them to school in the morning you know and, and now you're, you're you know you're in the office still in the office by seven forty-five, which is not much different than you were before um but, just but the you commute. spend that time yeah you spend that time with them and um so so that part of it's been um been fun and and the other part of this town that's really cool is um we're redoing our locker so um you know i went through that rebuild you that with minnesota FVU, yeah yep. and so we're doing the same thing here and uh actually construction uh was set to start on may 1 now based on um you know kind of what happens with um you know with the quarantine and some of these things were to be determined but um the thing that's interesting is um so you, you got you kind of get to know the people in town and. Um, you know, you're trying to, to raise money and you get you get money from guys like Dallas Drake and, you know, former players that, yep. that help out, but you you get a lot of money from the community too. And and the the thing that's really cool is, you know, a guy'll come up and um, you know, so a guy I know and, and he, he wants to be part of it and you know, he pulls up in his, you know, nineteen ninety six F one hundred fifty and hands you a check for hundred thousand dollars. And <laughs> you just would never know. You know, like, those are the kind of, like, that's the kind of people that live here. Um, Very understated, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and you just, um, but it's the way they go about their business. And um, it's still got that small town America feel, which is cool.
0: Um, well, I, it's interesting. That's a, a, a cool transition. When you grew up in a smallish town in Grand Forks and talk a little bit about your playing days growing up in Grand Forks as you know, well, most of our listeners are here and, and play in, in the Metro area and have a, a much different, uh, growing up hockey experience than you had. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I, I think a lot of it probably because of the era of time is still similar, um, you know the guys that I played with at at the U. Whether it's Leopold or or Pat O'Leary or um, you know, Ballard and those guys, they they still grew up playing on the outside rink. You know that right. was the kind of generation we were in. So I think a lot of that was similar. Um, you know what? Number one, I guess I can always tell you we were always jealous of the watching the state tournament. We always wanted to play. Like we always wished we could play um, whoever you know made it down there. And a couple times we actually did. You know the the years that that Roseau was pretty good, you know, you played played them them and yep. Yep. Um, so we, and we had a pretty good team. And, um, but the thing that we didn't know, and I, I I honestly, I think it helped me as a player. I didn't know, you know, like how good those guys really, really were because I didn't live it every day. So when I'd go, um, you know, they, they used to do the, now they do the 15, 16, 17 camp where they just throw every kid together. Yeah. You used to play in your state. And right. you'd play, Minnesota would play mass and, and Michigan. And, um, it'd be Pacific and Atlantic and, um, North Dakota would send two kids every year to team Minnesota. Yeah. And it always ended up being me and a, a friend of mine. We would go there. Um, and I, I honestly, Tony, it helped me. I, I swear it helped me. Cause I didn't know the legend of all these guys you know, like that, this was before the time that people were really on the internet there's no Twitter and, and none of these things. And,
0: so it was better. You, know, you the, didn't know who they were. It was right? better.
1: I didn't know. I didn't know. I just right. showed up and played. Right. Um, I didn't know these guys were supposed to be better than I was. Yeah. Um, so I just showed up and played and, um, you know, along the way you end up kind of making friendships with some of the guys, but, um, you know, it was, we had a good group of kids in, in Grand Forks and, and, the state of North Dakota was a little segregated at that point where the Eastern part of the state, um, had the majority of the hockey players and the Western part of the state was still kind of, um, new Developing. in their development. Yeah. Yep. Um, so if I think, you know, if you go back to, you know, I Peewee through the, my senior year and I, I, we might've not won it my first year banner, but I think we did. Um, I think we won the state tournament. We won the state tournament, my Peewee year, my second year bad and we won the national championship that year actually beat Marquette. Um, wow. Smaller to do it. Yep. And then, uh, three state tournaments in, uh, three state championships as, as a high school player Did you beat and every, Central
0: every year you got your well, red was river guy. Right? Say that.
1: Yeah. I was a red river guy. Um, it was Fargo one year, Fargo North one year Grafton. And if really? you think about that, think, think about like, Grafton's a town of about 7,000 people. Um, and that's, that's where, uh, my, my mom's from. And they were every year they were playing, they were in the semifinals or in the finals, um, producing players. And, um, and then it was central the one year, but every year it was always, you always ended up playing teams from the East. So it was almost like a, you know, it didn't matter where you finished in the, um, they used to break the state up in the East and the West and right. they call it the EDC and the, um, and the Western side. It didn't matter where you finished in the EDC cause you knew you were playing the West. Right. It just kind of mattered who you matched up well against in the East. Right. Um, but you know, it was, um, it was interesting, you know, it's, it's funny last night, something came across Twitter and it was, um, it was a video that, um, about the third period of 1998, University of North Dakota versus University of Minnesota at the old Ralph Engelstead. I
0: saw what you're
1: keep did, going. Did you see that? I saw yeah.
0: this. I couldn't so, turn it
1: off. Oh, uh, I, so I turned it on last night and I'm watching it and all these guys are like, you know, from the Panzers to Jason Blake to Curtis Murphy to the <laughs> Hoogsteins to the Almers to the Tankuses, I know all, because to the of hockey.
0: I know all of these guys. It's it was like yeah. it was it was like I was like the hairs were standing on the back of my neck watching it.
1: Reggie Berg and um <laughs> you know all the guys at Minnesota, Eric Westrom and yes. anyway, <laughs> um we would play in the in the Ralph the old Ralph. Yes. And Watching that game brought back so many memories as a high school player playing in the older. They used to sell like it was just like the the Minnesota State tournament, but on a smaller level. Like yep. they would sell the building out. Um, it would be a whole ordeal for three or four days, um, you know that just those brought back a lot of fun memories watching that game.
0: I went to a conference, and it happened to be in Grand Forks, North Dakota during the Grand Fork or during the Fargo or the North Dakota state tournament. So I actually got to go to two games. That's how I learned about red river and Fargo yeah. South and Shanley. And these teams were in it. And I was like, wow, this is kind of neat. You know, it was, it was exactly what you say. It was a smaller version of our state tournament.
1: Yeah. And it, it was really a, uh, you know, a, a fun time and, um, people supported it. And, you know, you kind of, you, you felt like a big deal as a high school kid. You felt like a big deal. And, um, It was a it was a fun event, fun time.
0: All right, so you finish up at Red River, um, and you go off to the USHL in in Lincoln, I believe, right?
1: Yeah, go to Lincoln. Actually, the guy um, when I was coming out of high school, um, there there was the USHL was different at this point. It was um, I bet you there was one guy on our team going into the season that had a had a college commitment. Right, Um, most kids were going right from high school to um, to college, like yep. the top in you know, the top guys. Um, so the USHL had tenders and you could sign a tender with teams. So I, I remember going on a, um, recruiting visit to Omaha and to Lincoln and the, the coach of the Omaha Lancers was Mike Hastings. So there was no draft. There was no draft. There was no draft. Was just kind of maybe there was, you. yeah, maybe there was a draft, but you could sign a tender too. Right. So, um, so I go down and and Mike's the coach of the Omaha Lancers and does a great job on his recruiting visit. Um, you know, then go to this new team, Lincoln. Lincoln only been in the league one year. They just moved from the far. They were the Fargo Moorhead Ice Sharks, and they moved to Lincoln, yes. Nebraska.
0: Well, Dave, Dave Christian was the Ice Sharks coach.
1: With Dave, yeah, Scotty Bell Dave was, yeah, yeah. Dave was the Dave was actually. My uh, small world. You bring that up. Dave is my—I know my sister is married to Dave's. Dave's Bowl. son. Um, yep. They have a baby. So anywho, do they just have a baby? Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. So. Board. Yep. yep. Right. Um, so anyway, um, I, I'm so on this recruiting visit, and I can't—I see the Omaha Lancers first, and I can't believe how incredible it is. And I'm at the game, and um, you know the song in Omaha—they play they, they, when they score a goal. They play the heat is on. Yeah. And um I bet you <laughs> they played that song 10 times. That they just stopped somebody. Yeah. And I mean I'm wide-eyed and after I'm just I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't like I think I can play here like these guys want want to be played. This is great." And the next night I go to Lincoln.
0: Is this Steve Johnson?
1: Steve Johnson. Oh my gosh. Jeez, man. And this is a small Steve world. is from Grand Forks. Yes. So, um, obviously, there's a connection there. And Hastie's from Crookston, which right. is, yep. you know, 30 minutes away from Grand Fork. So, I'm kind of, you know, in a comfort zone with both of those guys. And, um, I go to Lincoln, and um, they have this pregame show, and they play this ACDC Thunderstruck. And it's a light sh- – and it is, like, Tony – it like, Omaha was an incredible environment, and, and it was a really cool junior team, and, like, it, it, like blew my socks away. And then I go to the next rink and it is a rock show. Like it's not a hockey game. It's a rock show with some guys playing hockey on the rink, but that's just secondary to what's going on in this building. Um, So I end up going to play for Steve and, um, you know, just learned so much from, um, from Steve and and spent two years with them. Like grew so much as a player and, he really he helped me navigate the recruiting process and um, I owe a lot to him he was he was at that time in my life he was a really important person
0: so that's interesting you should bring that up of playing for Steve Johnson who played obviously on one of the most famous lines in North Dakota history um, and he's from you're from Grand Forks you play your juniors for a guy who played for the Sioux and you pick the gophers how does this work
1: well um, it was probably I play the first year and at the end of the first year, there's some nibbles and um, you know I, I just like this is before, anybody has you know any idea as a player kind of what's going on. Everything's run through the coach. So right. there's no um, there's no twin. You just you, you, you just trust and rely on what your your coach says. right. So um, Steve tells me, hey, you know what? Um, got some things going on for you. Uh, come back next year. I think you're gonna have a great year um you know and we'll navigate this as we go so um the year starts and um real early in the year I get a uh, I go on a recruiting trip to Lake State and uh they're, they're kind of the first team that Steve presented to me at this time and um you know I thought I'm going to visit and I because I was just excited somebody wanted to recruit me. right and uh I go to the visit and like I'm ready to Sign. You got your yeah. pen. You, like, you brought your pen yeah. with you, right? I'm ready. I am ready. And you know, ended up calling my, calling my dad, and and he kind of backs me off, and he said, hey, just you know what, like Steve said, there's some other people interested, so let's just see, you know, where it goes. So then, um, who, who is the, the next, coach at, at Lake State? Scott Borick. Okay, Scott right. Borick. All right. Um. So then the next three visits, um, and th- these are like crazy. Like not crazy. One of them's crazy, but the next three are interesting. So I go to Michigan state and Ron Mason's the coach. Wow. And I sit down with me. Do you know like, what
0: a legend he was at that point?
1: I, you think you do, but you really don't. Okay. You know, right. like, so, you know, like, you know, kind of what you, you know, it, it'd be like somebody sitting down with Don, which at the end of his time, you think, you know, but then five or six years later, you go, Oh my gosh. Right. Like, That's, you know, now 20 years later, it's, you're really going, Oh my gosh. So sit down with Mace and He says, Hey, Michigan state is an amazing school. It's amazing hockey program. Um, I won't be here the whole time. Um, I won't be the coach the whole time that you'd be a player. So, um, I really respected that in a small world. Had I gone to Michigan state, Rick calmly would have been my coach. I know. How crazy is that? brick started the program at Northern. Yeah. So go to my next visit, Jeff Sauer, that was go to Wisconsin, Jeff Sauer's the coach and Jeff Sauer tells me the same story. Hey, um, I won't be here. I won't be part of it. Um, so then I go to the next recruiting visits, it's coach Sertich, And, um, you know, he kind of gives me the same story. And like, if you think about that now, those three guys that the, the legendary coaches that those three were yeah and if you think today like those guys were completely honest with you know with me as a recruit would that happen and today I don't know like <laughs> I don't think think it you like to would, would. I, I would like to think I would do that yeah like, I really would um but you you have so much invested in that program and that school and that university, that you you want to continue to coach as long as you can and I think you probably think you can still continue to coach but you're so invested in that school that you want to get the player there so bad yeah you know like even if you're not going to coach him because you love you the know school. Wisconsin or you love Michigan State or you love Duluth or you love yeah. whoever wherever you're at um i i want to think that you you would um, you know what I know that you know there's there was some players at the end that you know what I you would because I remember at the end I was at Minnesota, there were guys that Don would say that to. He would say, I don't I don't I can't guarantee I'm gonna coach you. And um so you know what? I think if you have those kind of people um and a lot of these were like institutions
0: people. like they're this is Wisconsin this is Michigan State this is Minnesota these are you know people aren't necess- no offense to those guys but they're going there for the whole experience of playing for the yes. Gophers or playing for Spartans or
1: Badgers that's right. right that's right um so any so I go through those four visits and uh I, I had one more visit I think it was I think it was New Hampshire I had one more because I wanted to see something out east and um played for Mike Hastings in the it was called the Viking Cup at this point. Um, yeah. Now it's called the Junior A Challenge. Yep. And um played played for him on this team and uh ended up winning the tournament. We were the, I think we are the first US team to ever win it. So during the tournament I ended up playing on a good line and had a good tournament and um John Hill was the coach at Minnesota. One yep. of the assistant yep. coaches and, and he was coaching um, in it? John no John was just there just, watching. Okay, all right. Yep. So John's just recruiting. And, um, at this point, uh, Don had gotten the job at Minnesota and Minnesota had been all Minnesota, you know, for Doug's whole tenure. Um, so I, and listen, I guarantee you, they tried to recruit some other guys before me. I, I know I wasn't their first choice. Um, and I, and I want to say there was Chris Kalanos and a couple of these other guys that were, were real big time players, um, you know, that just chose to go elsewhere. And I don't think that they necessarily needed to get somebody outside of the state, but I think they wanted to, I think they yeah. wanted to. You, you just... got
0: the sense, even myself as a fan back then, you got the sense that Don made it very clear in his initial press conference that he was going to open the borders and he wanted to get that part done as fast as he could.
1: Yes. And so when I get to the point where I like, I did, I love any of those schools I went to not I didn't, I loved him, but I wasn't in love with him, if that makes right. sense. Yep. Um, I was actually going to go to Wisconsin just because my best friend growing up was a guy named Brooks Bollinger, who was a oh quarterback. At Are you serious? I oh yeah. Know he we was a with,
0: red river kid.
1: He, he was a central kid, but we played baseball together.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. there was only
1: one ball team and um, we were eighth graders playing on the high school team. I mean, we didn't know what. What was up and what was down, right? So we were kind of running together, and um we kind of did, you know. Were you the, the same age, same grade, it. same age, same grade? So he yeah. was
0: probably already entrenched
1: at Wisconsin because he was already there he a junior. He right? had already won the Rose Bowl as a freshman. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going like, hey, this would be fun. Play, you know, get back with Brooks again, and Wisconsin's Wisconsin, and yeah. Um, you know, Danny Heatley was there, and and they were kind of on the come again, and. Um, the whole deal. So then John Hill calls and, um, I knew the moment that he called me, if Minnesota offered me a scholarship, I was going there. And, um, and this is like I, I,
0: through your brain, like your brain knew that or
1: immediately. right really? like, when I heard, and, and I, and I like, I'll be lying to you if I said I didn't grow up my whole life wanting to play for the university of North Dakota, cause I did.
0: Yeah. Okay. You know,
1: like I, I grew up watching. But they weren't Dean calling. Johnson they weren't and calling. Tony Hercus. Yeah. Ian Kidd. Bob Joyce. Ed Belfort, Like these Like winning national championships. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it in in completely in their defense, I where I I understand it, living it in Marquette and living it at Northern. Um, it, you almost at that point in time, I'm sure there were things that they were concerned about with my game you almost would rather have a player go elsewhere and do well than, um, if, than have them on your team if you're just not sure. Yeah. And, you know, they probably just weren't sure. And they hadn't had, you know, they had the, the, the two Panzers, yeah. and they were home runs, right? Yeah. So, like, both Panzers were home runs, and they were no-brainers. So I don't know that I was a no-brainer at that point. And I don't blame any of them for, you know, saying, hey, you know what, he might be a good player. I just, we don't want to have a local kid here not playing. Um, And I'm just speculating. I have no idea.
0: It's kind of like double pressure, isn't it? It's pressure on on the kid for not getting a chance to play at the home school. And then it's pressure on the coach for not getting him into the lineup.
1: Yep. Um, So Have you had that at Northern yet?
0: Have you had any local Marquette kids that are in that your sonic kind of shoes?
1: Not yet, but it's coming. Yeah, you Um, can probably
0: feel it coming, right?
1: Yep, because there's some good players here. Like there's some kids that are, um, that are starting to come because at first there's one or two kids that went elsewhere where like, but it was like right when I got the job Right, and they were kind of all the way down the path with some other school. So like I, like they called and I said, I'm sorry, I've never seen you play. I don't know anything about you.
0: And you can't offer kids you've never seen them play, right? No chance. Yeah, no and, chance. and meanwhile, you've been living in Minneapolis for eight years, ten years, and you've seen every one of these kids play hundreds of times. It's way easier to bring in a jet jungles than it is some kid from your own backyard, right?
1: Yes, at that point. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, so I hadn't gone through that yet. So they they call, they offer, um, you know, and and um, the you know the the one thing that I I will tell every kid on that is is written recruiting. Go where you are wanted the most and don't worry about the scholarship. Um, now on a certain level, do you have to worry about that? Yes. But I, like I had full scholarships to, to other places. I didn't go to Minnesota on a full scholarship. I went on there on a partial. Right. And I went there cause that's where I was wanted the most. That's where I, I felt like I was going to have success. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you, I knew I was going to get a chance. I knew that they had to give me a chance because they weren't going to bring a kid in from outside of the state and not give him a chance to be successful. Cause then right. it looks on everybody. It doesn't it's kind it of
0: like right. a, a first round draft pick in the NFL or NHL where they're like, okay, we're going to give this guy as many chances as we can. Right. You're going to get a ton of opportunity if you're the first kid who is not from Minnesota.
1: That's right. You know, so, all, so any of these kids that are listening and I'll tell you from, um, from my experience as a player, as, as, a, as a head recruiter at Minnesota, and now as a head coach, um, go where you're wanted the most. Like that, that, That is where you are going to have the best experience. Because at the end of the day, what kind of drives your day-to-day experiences is how it's going for you athletically. Now, right. obviously, there's other factors in that. You know how you know you have to be doing well academically. You you know, you, you hope your social life is going well, right? Um, all all those things. But on a day to day level, the reason you're there for a lot of the reasons is is that you chose there. Is that you were you want to be a hockey player, you want to be a, a a football player, you want to be a basketball whatever it is, right? Um, so find the place that wants you the most. That's and, good. You know, that's nice. where you're going to get the most chance. So um, I felt like Minnesota wanted me the most, and um, you know, kind of the. Kind
0: of the rest is history. So I hate to fast forward through a great college career, but you just, we only got an hour. Let's get to the, when you signed that day or committed to the Gophers, did you have any idea what was going to (laughs) happen? Where it was, I mean, it was not exactly a bright future for the Gophers when you signed. It wasn't like you had just signed with the three time national, defending national champions. I mean, it was, they were kind of lean at that point.
1: I, I, um, it's interesting you say that because in that video we watched, I was watching last night, they just talked about the Gophers being in eighth place. They were in eighth place the year before, um, they hired Don and then Don's first year. Um, I think they, they finished, you know, fifth or sixth were on the road in the playoffs. I think they won. Yep. Um, but no, if I told you I, that I wouldn't, I'd be completely lying to you. Um, I had no idea, you know, and, didn't know who who was what, and you know, and and had four you know incredible years with you know great coaches and, and teammates, and um, it was a great experience.
0: So I know that. So was did Hill was Hill there the whole time? Because I know that Moscow was there.
1: Was, was John John was there for two years? Because I know he went to Alaska. Um, John too, was there right? for one year. John was there for one year, and then, then he went he to Alaska, right? Yep, got the head job in Alaska. Um, Bob came in my sophomore year Bob okay. was there my sophomore junior senior year and then one more year he was there four years and then he went to St. Cloud.
0: Was Gents there as well?
1: Gents was there yep okay. Gents all right.
0: was there. So I get all the the Hastings Gents it all just kind of starts to merge together right is who is then yeah. and they can't come and go kind of so fast. All right so let's talk about the goal and we have to talk about it right so I think and I hate to hate to you know, just uh, sidetrack your goal. But the goal, be, the, you know, before the goal is almost bigger than the goal, right? You know, the one late in the game,
1: you uh, know. Walters doesn't score. We never yeah. have a chance to win. <laughs> That's you know, like, the
0: one where, like, I think I my hair fell out of my head when I couldn't believe that they scored, right? Go also scores, runs and jumps on the bench. And at that point, did you know we're going to win, right? It's it's over, right?
1: No. Really? I mean, anybody who tells you that's, like, maybe they have different feelings than I do, but um, you're so focused um, so focused on every single thing. Because, number one, you know that you better be ready if you get a chance to make a play. You better be ready to make a play. And that's, you know, being ready to shoot, being ready to receive whatever it is. Right. Um, because that play might allow you to win. Now, the other side of that, conversely, is, you better be ready when when you have a chance to to either get a puck in or get a puck out or right. um, the like get things. a stick on somebody. Oh, so, like, to I mean, I, maybe some other guys are better better than I am at feeling those, that way. I wasn't. I was just, like, shift to shift, come back, get as much rest as you can until they tell you to go again, and then go and do it the best you can until it happens again
0: as a fan of many disappointments as gophers for that during that 23 year stretch um for whatever reason it was like when Kowalski scored it was like the the world had lifted i just for some reason i just feeling well there's just no way we're going to lose just that was i don't know why i had that feeling uh, because it was improbable his goal was so improbable and the goals that game were so hard to come by like johnny pole's yeah. goal off the post and in it was just a lot of crazy like you said just the this the narrowest of margin in that game
1: yeah it was a great hockey game i mean two great teams and um you know adam made huge saves down the stretch that he had to. Make. i know i mean like like hey he made big time saves in, in that game to keep it where it was and yeah, um, then, and then Kowalska draws the penalty to put us on the power play to win the game. Right, so he had a great game too.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was something else. Uh, it was a pretty legendary team. So you're getting mobbed. What, what what do you remember from after the goal to the next day? I mean, what was it like?
1: <laughs> do you remember after, anything after the after the goal? You got my mobbed. Only thought right? Was like, can I get out of this pile without before being I lose killed? Feeling in my lungs. Like, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Like I tried to sneak out of that pile, uh, and then it was, you know, just pandemonium, like everybody else. But um, it was it was an incredible night. Um, it was incre- It was an incredible two weeks. I mean, who's kidding? Who it lasted, um, you know, a couple weeks. The euphoria of
0: it. It never end, right? It was good. That's good stuff. All right. So after college, you got a five year pro career. What are, What are your memories from playing pro hockey?
1: Um, started the started during the lockout, um, we had a great team in Binghamton. I mean, Jason Spezza, probably one of the best teams in the history of the American Hockey League, um, and won the won the regular season by a country mile. Um, you know, and then ended up we we're up to nothing in the first round of the playoffs. Um, should have won the Calder Cup that year, but um got beat by Marc Andre Fleury and um Maxine Talbot and um, Colby Armstrong and, and some of these guys in Wilkes Bear. And then the next well, the next three or four years I um was on just decent teams. And um, you know, the kind of the thing that, you know, at the end I, I, I hurt my ankle and I was in Norfolk and um and it hurt my ankle and I was I sat there, was kinda of thinking like okay i'm 27 28 turn 28 um i can keep doing this you know but you know at some point you got to figure out what's next in your life and um you know thought that um you know you're not gonna be going anywhere besides you know you're kind of stuck in the american league at this point right um so it's I like
0: quicksand up, too right there i mean you just keep it, hard yeah, to get like, out,
1: right it's it's hard to get out and it's um you know it like it's a great life. Like I, it's a great life. It's, um, you know, it's the greatest job in the world being a player. The second greatest job in the world is being a coach. Right. Um, I had no plans to become a coach. Um, had conversations with Mike Hastings, who obviously is the head coach at Mankato. Mike was one of the assistants at Minnesota at this time. And I, I still followed the team and watched them on direct TV and some of that because I kind of had it set up and in, in right. all the cities I played in so I could watch. Um, And, you know, hasty called me one day and, and said, Hey, what are you doing next year? I said, you know what? I might come back. Like, I think I might retire. And, and he said, Whoa, what? And I said, you know, I just, I, 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 you know, just kind of had feelings of it and I was just, you know, and I was still close with a lot of those guys. So, um, you know, hasty, hasty was really instrumental actually in getting me into coaching. Um, he, you know, kind of, it bridged the gap for me and Don and everybody for me to, I was initially just going to be a volunteer assistant. Right. I was just going to help volunteer at the team. Um, at that point, you know, I think there wasn't any quote unquote guys who, there wasn't any guys who play and I can't, I don't want to use the word golfers cause there's nobody more of a golfer than Don Lucia. Right. Um, there wasn't a guy who played hockey at the university of Minnesota on the staff.
0: Right. That um, was a so big knock they, on Don.
1: I think it was. I think they felt it was important that um, they added somebody who played hockey there. Yep. And so I, I had a job set up. I was going to kind of volunteer for a year just to see if it was something I ever wanted to do. And in my mind, it was never okay. I'm going to volunteer and become the assistant coach of the Gophers. It was maybe I volunteer and go coach the Lincoln Stars right, or coach right. you know whoever's junior team. Um, I never thought it would go from that to this. You know, starting the summer as a volunteer assistant to You know, a month and a half later, I'm the full, you're on the interim assistant to a month and a half later, I'm the full-time assistant for the next eight years. Who left? um, Hasty? Mike did. Mike did, okay. Hasty went to Omaha. Okay. He went down to Omaha and um, job opened up and Don took a chance on, you know, a young guy. Um, I'm forever grateful for that.
0: At this point, um, you know, you're now, uh, you know, now you have a whistle around your neck and now you got to lean on some of your past. Talk a little bit about your high school coach, the legendary coach. Is that someone who you kind of leaned on from a memory perspective as to how you might shape your coaching?
1: Yeah. Gary Perper, um, his dad, Fido, played in the NHL from both guys are from Grand Forks. Fido played at UND, coached at UND, played in the NHL. Now, I want to say that he's
0: somehow related to the Panzers.
1: Really? Yes, yes,
0: yes. And I, I didn't know that. I, I'm good buddies with both Jay and Jeff, and somehow it snuck into a conversation that they were related. To. And I wouldn't have remembered this, but how many times a year do you hear the name Fido in in conversation? Not many. Yeah. <laughs> Fido Not many. NHL Panzer. That's all I got in yeah. my in my database right now. But I'm pretty sure there's a relation somehow related to to. They Fido were both Popper. North
1: Side. Yeah, Fido was a North Sider, and the Panzers were North Siders. So. Um, you know, and like there's hockey blood. So yeah, um, not surprising, but Gary, um, not only was a a great, um, you know, coach for me athletically, he was a great life coach for me and what it meant to stand up for what you believed in. And, um, you know, how to, you know, I like, I I don't buy the, 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 I've never thought leaders are born. Like, I just, I don't think that it's real. I think that, their life experiences along the way, you know, from a time they're young, um, you know, especially the greatest leaders, it's people that have shaped them. Um, you know, and and Gary was a big part of my life and shaping me and, um, helping me grow. And, um, you know, he was a big influence on me. And, um, you know, even, you know, now it's just, you, you think back to all the things that, you know, he taught you and, um, he, he was, and he was an incredible coach. I mean, I think they, won the state tournament. You know, he started my sophomore year as the first year as a coach and he coached for five years. I think they won the state tournament five years in a row. We won it three and then I'm pretty sure my brother's team won it two in a row. And right. then Gary walked away. So, um, you know, he's a great coach.
0: Um, so, so he, you have this, the reason I'm asking about the, the Gary Purper is cause literally you had zero coaching experience. So like, what do you Zero. have to go off of? Like it's like either okay. So you have Stevie Johnson, in the USHL Don Lucia at, at Minnesota, yeah. and I had John
1: pa- John Paddock was a um, John Paddock's a legendary NHL coach was my coach in the American League. Right. Um, Dave Cameron, who coached Ottawa, was one of my coaches. Uh, Kelly Buckberger was one of my coaches. So I play. I was I played for some really good coaches. Right. Um, which which was really fortunate. Um, here's the thing that I'll never forget. So Doug Woog was, you know, Doug was hanging around the rink cause he was working in the golden gopher right. uh, properties department. And so Doug would come over and, you know, just kind of chat and he'd, he'd help me, he'd, he'd chat with me a lot. Um, you know, and, and Doug would, the one thing that Doug told me that I'll never, it still stays with me today. Assume they know nothing. And what I mean by that is, when you're as a young coach you go to the board right and and the, you know don let me do this all as a young coach he, he allowed me to grow and learn and um, he let me you know run parts of practices and so in my you know in my brain i go up to the board and you know i think it was one of the first couple times i did it and, and I, I got this drill and it's going to be great yeah. and i'm all excited about it <laughs> so i got guys going everywhere and i'm done and i look at the guys and go you got it And there was 25 blank stares looking back up at me like, no, we don't got any of that. Uh, And and just, you know, I think it was the next day I was talking to Doug about it. and Doug said, hey, here's the thing. Just go to the board and assume they know nothing. Like, just talk slow, um, you know, really talk. You know, if you have to have two colored markers, whatever it was. Um, but that was a, a real learning kind of curve for me. That um, obviously, these guys are world class athletes, and, and you know, there's your, your hockey sense is incredible. Um, but that was the Doug Woogism, assume they know nothing. And, he, he and then s- Don mentored me along the way, too. Doug a, Woog, I'm glad you
0: brought him up. I, I played in like an M club event I don't know what it was golf tournament and I got he played a hole with me or something like that and it was you know 10 minutes with Doug Wook basically and nothing else all he I remember him saying we, we walk up to the tee we shake hands with him and we were hitting the ball and and he said you know players today are so much different than they were five years ago or 10 years ago I'm like well, what do you mean he goes wow they're just so focused on one sport they're so focused on themselves or so he goes like just what you just did there, Tony, you, you shook my hand, you looked me in the eye and he goes, that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for a young man to play hockey for me. <laughs> I was like, we yeah. looking like, I'm like, there's just, that. It, it sounded so simple, but it was so smart all at the same time.
1: And, and it's, you know, I, it's just a shame that, you know, for all the success Doug had, like he has so much success. It just, you gotta be lucky to win it. And he yeah. just didn't ever have any luck at the end. Um, Right. Because you, like, if you look at his, I mean, I think he went to eight frozen fours, something crazy. I mean, in, in 14 years, like, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, it was almost like a, it was almost like a, ri- a birthright. It was like, we like a gonna given. Go yeah, yeah. We're going.
1: That's right. And just n- the luck never materialized for him. But he was, um, you know, he was obviously important in my, you know, development as a coach, too.
0: Um, okay. So now you're coaching, you talked, you've, you've talked a little bit about it already where you kind of started off, you know, knowing nothing and then you just kind of grew. Talk about some of the growth, some of, maybe a story from how you grew from a rookie coach into, I, I think I got this. There was like an, maybe an aha moment where like, I think I got this. Was it before your first world junior championship or was it after that?
1: You know, it's, it's actually, that's the moment that as a coach that I, one i think i you know the fact that you know and, and again like phil housley like you know one of the the if the, the greatest minnesota and one of the greatest yeah, players in the top history. 5 for sure um yeah top 5 for sure you know he he's coaching the team and i know phil but don't really know him right. and he, for him to you know ask if if i want to be part of his staff and that's pretty um, cool you're really cool, you know, and, and the other coaches, Marcus Mark and, and Mark, you know, has been, you know, he's been coaching for 25 years and, and Phil's Phil and, um, you know, and, and going on that staff and, and having the responsibility to, um, to have the power play and, um, work with the forwards and, you know, and, and work with, you know, like the, the players, you know, I'll never forget. We're sitting down for a meeting and Tim Taylor, um, you know, God, you know, God rest his soul. He's, he's a long time USA hockey guy. Right. Um, you know, Tim helped pick all these teams. And, you know, we're sitting down for the first meeting ever. And and like, I know all these players, right? Because I'm a recruiter at this point. Right. I'm You're right in the thick of it. I know every one of them. Um, and I'm not going to say the player's name that we're talking about, but this kid's a first round pick. And um, we sit down and, and we get to him and, and Tim goes, nope, next. We're not. <laughs> he, he, and I go, I go, whoa. I go, this guy's a first round pick. And he looks at me and he goes, are you going to use him on the power play over in the right handed shot? He goes, are you going to use him on the power play over Seth Jones or, J- or Truba? I go, no. He goes, okay, next. And I went, it's true. Right, though. Next. It's true. Like, you know, like we needed a big, strong guy, but like, yeah. Um, so anyway, so after that tournament, we win the gold tournament, we won the gold medal. And, um, you know, I that think was in that, Russia, right? that was in russia ufa, ufa russia. russia
0: is this like way out in the middle of nowhere or is this near moscow? We,
1: this no this is not near moscow uh this is in the middle of nowhere um we fly on the plane there with uh and i'll, and I'll never forget it we fly on the plane a charter a plane with russia or not with russia excuse me with with finland sweden and canada and There's we're four like on the same plane, four teams on the same plane. Like did a,
0: anyone a, get the foil out and
1: throw down or not? Well, we were treated like second class citizens on this, on this charter flight. Cause we had <laughs> USA hockey had not had success. And, <laughs> right. Um, so we had this uh, pre-tournament exhibition in Finland. Mr. Patoni, you're flight. in
0: 32 D.
1: <laughs> well, <in the> USA <laughs> hockey, you're in 30, you're in the trunk. Like get in.
0: <laughs> I love it. Keep going. Sorry.
1: Uh, so we land there we're in the middle of nowhere um they you know i think they, they finished seventh or eighth the year before so in the way it works is you get the seventh or eighth best hotel so we've been up all night and time zones and you know you're flying and you get there and you just want breakfast right like and like you think breakfast is universal like you're gonna get eggs somewhere or you're gonna get yeah you know pastry or or something you know yeah we get there and they had spaghetti and chicken wings for breakfast. <laughs> and I thought, oh man! So I go through the tournament, um, you know, win the tournament. Um, you know, I'll never forget uh, getting back on that plane with all four teams. And um, you know, Mike Riley. Remember what Mike oh, looked yeah. like at that. You know, and, and Johnny Gaudreau. And you remember Johnny looked like in college, you know, both these kids look like they're 12. Yeah. And, uh, um, that was what I was going to think of know, Mike
0: Riley. He was also weighed about 140 pounds too.
1: Yeah. Neither one of them were very big, but they're dynamic, dynamic yeah. players. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of like congregating, you know, to get on the plane. And I remember looking in the guys, like, you know, they were really, res- our guys were really respectful of all the other teams after, you know, winning. it wasn't like they were flaunting or anything. They, they didn't were wear really the
0: medals respectful. around their neck or anything.
1: They, they were being very respectful. You're right. Um, But I looked over at Johnny and at Mikey, and I went, "Can you imagine being the coach of Canada or whoever thinking like I just lost to them two guys?" (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, and they—I mean—they were dynamic in the tournament, both of them, like lit it up. Um, But that was kind of the point for me that um, I felt like I gained some respect um, in the coaching body, and I feel like I um, had a little. Proven to myself that okay, you know what, um, that's the highest level, and 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 like it's a players' tournament. Tony, it's, it's not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like that we won because of coaching. That that is not a coach's tournament. That's a players' tournament. Right. Um, but just being part of it and being able to manage the emotion of the group and the emotion of your guys and being able to help put them in situations. Um, gave me confidence that um, that I that I could continue down this path as a as a real profession.
0: Yeah, that's kind of a turning point for you, right? I mean, at that yep. point, and then the next year, you guys make it to the national final against Union. Go through that game. I mean, everyone like everyone was the, a non hockey person thinks oh, how can the Gophers
1: lose to Union? How good was Union? Yeah. How good were they? No, they. I mean, they, number one, like we were the number one team in the country. They were the number two team in the country the whole year. Yeah, it wasn't like. You know, like Shane Gossespear and, and their goalie Kincaid's in the NHL. And, um, you know, that one of the forwards is like the leading scorer in the, eight, in the American League. He scores like 50 goals every year. So, like, um, but that was the weirdest game. The weirdest game.
0: Oh, major um, runs. It was like a basketball game.
1: W- yeah. Like, we take a, a, like two penalties to start the game and kill them both. Like, literally, like Brady Shea, who never takes any penalties. Got called on like this checking, you know, like it was like a, like you, you just called that that's the first penalty of the national championship game. You're going to call that. Right. Like that's the precedent you're setting. Um, and he's one of our best penalty killers and we kill it. And then we take another one and we kill it. And then Nate Condon scores. And when we scored first that year, we were like 25 and one, just some ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then they score, like they score right after it. Then we score again to make it two to one. And I remember looking up in the first period. There's like, it's like, ha- there's like seven minutes left in the first period. And I look up from the bench at the clock and it's a TV timeout and the shots are like 16 to five and us, yes. and we're winning two to, just winning two to one, killing them right? and just killing them. Um, you know, you hoped you could have gotten to three. Right. And then from that moment on, they just, they got, I think they scored three goals and it was four to two after the first. Yeah. And then we made it, you know, I, and Camarada scores to make it four, three. Um. And then we just, you know, we just couldn't, it was just one of those games where, um, you know, their top guys really, really played well. Goss' spear was a plus seven in the game. Um, <laughs> It's crazy, right? Like, um, and our, I mean, and like our top guys played really well too. They, we just didn't get the bounces. And just like we talk about Doug, L- you, know, you gotta be, you gotta be, I mean, they had guys, Tony, like there was guys, defensemen that were diving on their stomach to keep a puck alive on the blue line. Yes. Like the biggest no-no yeah. in the history of hockey. Yeah. And, and it would work. It, it will work, you know? And, and you're thinking like, Oh boy, like here goes like a, we got like a two on O here. And yeah. they keep it alive somehow, some way, and then they get a puck to you know, like. And they, but they were a great team, like no doubt about it. It wasn't like we were playing the little sisters, of the poor, like, um, the, you know they were number two in the pair. If you go to the Frozen Four with Minnesota, North Dakota, and Boston College, and you come out the champion, yeah, you deserve. It's pretty it. good team. And it's, think yeah. about
0: think about all the different um, uh, things they have to overcome just to get there. It was from uh, from that program's perspective. Yeah. You know, we're talking blue bloods here with those three, with, with North Dakota, yeah. Minnesota, and B.C. So it was, I just wanted to bring it up. But I, I It really wasn't on our agenda here, but it was like, it was just kind of one of those games where just, I'll never forget it. I was like, how do we just lose the union? And then I thought, walked walk through it. I'm like, they were really good. Holy smokes. You know. they were
1: really, And they were really good that night. Yes. They like, that night they were really good.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, who's the goalie yeah, for the Gophers? I felt bad for him. It was like...
1: Adam Wilcox. Yes, he a- just, Adam, just got Adam, Adam was the first All-American. He was a 937 and a 1.32 goals against on the year. Like, it wasn't like he was just left. No, know? Like, no. Like, he was an All-American. He was an All-American that year.
0: Yeah, and. Right.
1: You know, just was just, it was the one of those nights. It just you know? happens.
0: All right. So let's, uh, fast forward. We talked a little bit about getting into, uh, getting at Northern Michigan. Let's talk, focus the rest of our time talking <clears throat> about recruiting because recruiting is such a big deal now. I mean, now that the re- recruiting rules have changed, does the recruiting rules change, hurt you guys at Northern Michigan or help you guys? I don't think it really affects you guys. Really? Does it?
1: No, it really doesn't. Um, You know, to be honest, it, 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 the, the, what it does is it helps the programs that, um, had historically been, um, in a position that they needed to make decisions on younger players. Right. Um, it does, doesn't make any difference to us one bit. Um, I like we're, we're in Florida as a coaching body, you know, we're voting on this and, um, I, I really didn't have an opinion either way. Um, because I lived that whole world. Like the one thing I never, when I got into coaching, I never knew any different than, than the recruiting of, um, the recruitment of young players of younger players. Right. You know, Like that's just how it was when I got, and I don't know who started it. I don't know how it happened. Um, it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. It's just, I didn't know any different. Right. So it wasn't like this was a foreign concept to me. That was the only concept I knew. Right. So I, I lived in that world for eight years and, um, you know, I ended up voting, um, to push it back just because of some of the, um, decisions that, you know, you ha- like, like here, here's the thing that I always like, and maybe, <clears throat> maybe because of where I grew up or maybe because of what I did as a coach, like I, I didn't see anything wrong with, um, a player that like, you know, somebody's dad played for, you know, a university. Let's just, yeah, yeah a blanket statement. Right. Um, so that, that young man, you know, as he grew up, he found out his dad played there and then just, let's just use Northern. Right. So like, there's a kid from Marquette. Yep. Um, his dad played at Northern and, you know, growing all the way up and, you know, he goes to the games every weekend and, and his dad knows the coaches and, he was the um, stick boy, right? <laughs> he was the stick boy. And, right. you know, like he, he wants to go to, he's 15 and he's a really good player and he wants to go to Northern. Um, Like, I, like there's nothing wrong. You know what I mean? Like that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that where some of this, you know, that's, that's such a few and far between scenario. Right. That, um, you know, like that young man's never going elsewhere. You know, like it's just, that's just how it is. Right. Um, but I do think you, you, as you grow as a young man, I think your, some of your thoughts and your emotions affect your decisions. So, um, pushing it back, I think is healthy. And I think that, um, you know, for some of those schools that recruit in that, um, have to live kind of in that decision-making process, this helps them.
0: Well, no doubt. I don't think anybody really had a big problem with it. I think even the schools like you talk about, like the, the Blue Bloods, like BU, BC, Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, those Michigan, Michigan State, those schools were the ones that were taking the younger players. And I think they're even breathing a sigh of relief that they don't have to recruit kids until 10th and 11th grade.
1: Yeah, I know I would have. If, if I was still there, I know I, I would appreciate just more time to get to know that family. And for them to get to know us,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't think there were a lot of mistakes made by these younger ones. But it is—it's the from you—you've—you've you've lived it. You recruit a kid, he commits in ninth grade. You have spent a lot of time with that kid for ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade. You got to go to all their games. You got to make sure they're happy. I mean, it—it it, it really kind of was a burden. I would I would assume.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think that's part of the job too. Um, you know, have building a relationship with a young man. Um, you know, so it, it just it was what it was when I did it and I didn't know any difference. So, you know, I didn't have anything to compare it to besides what I did.
0: All right. So right now I'm looking at your roster uh, at Northern 2024 20, guys. Eight of them are from Minnesota. Is that an accident or is that because of your familiarity with Minnesota at the time when
1: you g- arrived at Northern Michigan? I, I think it's um, a lot has to do with being familiar with the player pool um, you know if, if you if you look at you know in, in my opinion um, especially you know just in general terms now some of the guys that, that we have here whether it's jet jungles you know a player right. I was recruiting when I was at my old job um, you know Grant Loeb and, um, guy from East Grand Forks that I, that I knew growing up, um, you know, and we, and we have, you know, two other freshmen coming in next year that are from, from Minnesota um, and, oh, and,
0: just, and who
1: else? Well, well, we have Mac Byers coming from, yep. um, you know, and, and then Grant Johnson's from Grand Forks and then Noah Gansky. Um, but if you look at our decor next year, we have uh, Ben Newhouse. Yep. We have Mason He was Palmer, a transfer, wasn't he? Transferred from Union. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So then you have Mason Palmer. He was a Shattuck
0: kid, wasn't he?
1: Shattuck. Yep. yep. Shattuck. Hank Sorensen. Tanner Bessio yep. And Noah Gansky. So we got five Minnesota D. Um, and that is, I think if you look in, at, at the state of Minnesota and the way that, you um, the value and the emphasis put on skating and especially skating as defensemen. Um, I don't think it's an accident that we have five Minnesota D I know it's not. Um, it doesn't mean you're just going there to, to, to watch players. I mean, and then you got Luke Rammer. Yeah, I was just going to say,
0: now you're talking about one of the best skating defensemen in the state this year. He's an NMU commit. Uh, he'll, he'll play at least one or maybe even two years uh, in juniors, which is kind of the trend. Correct.
1: Yeah, Luke. you know, it's, and, and we don't put a time frame on anybody. Um, it's when you're ready, you know what, like, like go, if you like nothing, there's nothing that says you have to play two years of juniors or you have to play one year. You have to, Right. Um, you know, Luke is such an elite skater and um, he's kind of the one man breakout, you know, <laughs> like he gets you out of your end and, and up to it, you know, the red line in, in a hurry. And, you know, if you talk to, you know, college hockey is not the NHL, but, um, you know, Greg Brown, uh, former Boston College assistant who is now with the Rangers, you talk to Brownie and he goes, you know, I, I ask him how some of these guys are doing that I know from Will Juniors, whether it's Lindgren or, or Fox or whoever. And, right. Uh, his comment on Foxy was, hey, Foxy's great offensively, but he can get us out of our end. Like he gets the puck to the middle of the rink and he, he goes, it's so hard to get the puck from behind your goal line to the red line Yeah, uh, that Foxy can do it. And that's what Luke does you know, Luke's able to do that at a high level and, um, you know, and obviously he's he's an offensive player, but, uh, so now you, you know, we'll have six of our defensemen are going to be from the state of Minnesota. And, and, um, you know, that's not by accident.
0: I mean, how lucky are you? You're, you're kind of, I've, I've told people when I talk about you and your recruiting in northern Michigan, see if you see the similarities here. I go, I kind of think he's kind of like a, a budding Scott Sandlin, or uh, he goes into Minnesota and he gets these players that not necessarily the Gophers or North Dakota or Wisconsin are going to get, but they're kind of the next level and they turn into studs. And this is the kid I'm talking about is Hank Sorensen. I mean, here's a kid who's no one would argue was in 2016 or 17 when they won state was the best player on the ice. No question about it.
1: How do you get these guys? I I hope you're right. Um, You know, in recruiting is relationships. Um, You know, and and part of recruiting, I think that people forget is, you know, it's not just like like just let's just say we'll use whatever school is, as an example. It's not um the reason the player doesn't go there might not be necessarily just because they don't not like him. Maybe they have you know, three right shot defensemen that that they think are just as good, you know, and they just or maybe they think are better or um or they don't have any money available. So like there's a lot of things that go into recruiting. Right. Um you know, and, and and Hank was, you know, last year. You know, the, he was a, you know, last year for us, he had a very good freshman year. I mean, he had 13 points. Like, they're not a lot of D in college hockey that have 13 points as a freshman. Right. Um, you know, he had 50 in the USHL the year before. Um, so, you know, Hank's Hank's got a chance to be a be a really good player. And, um, you know, I've known Hank since he's been. It helped me and being, you know, around Minnesota forever. I've known Hank since he came on the scene as a freshman in high school. Yeah. Like, I've, I've just known him that long, and I've talked to him that long. And, um, you know, it's funny, like, um, he, his dad came to visit us um, it was a couple weeks ago, and he brought the cover of the state tournament. Hank happened to be on it this year.
0: Yep.
1: Um, he goes, I still remember when you sent me a text to wish me good luck. And, you know, it's like, it's funny what people remember. Like, I, I was still in Minnesota at that time. Right you know, wishing Hank good luck before the state tournament. And, you know, he goes, I I wish I still had that text. Um, You know, it's just, it's like, I was lucky. I I knew some of these guys and um, had relationships with them and, um, you know, helped me, you know, get them here.
0: So talk about Gansky a little bit. So I've, I've known Noah since he was five years old. He's a West Bloomington kid and he's just super skilled. And then he's got a great skill level. And then he's also like six foot nine, too. So it, it just never, yeah. he, he can't hurt you, you know? Uh, so when he ended up at, at Northern Michigan, I'm like, oh
1: man, Grant has got another
0: one, you know, another super skilled player that just kind of goes
1: under the radar. Yeah. I mean, you know, with Noah, he's, he's like, he's just so much to work with. And um, a lot of guys that size don't move very well or they're, they're not very good with the pocket. And that is not the case with Noah um, you know, and, and he's, Noah's got a chance to be able to continue playing hockey at a high level after college. Um, and we're really excited that he's coming, um, playing for a great coach in green Bay and, uh, learned a lot of the last two years. So, um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy that you, you need insurance policy for, to be honest, because like he might be too, you know, you, you just never know with some of these guys, how quick that they develop. And, You know, um, you know, all of a sudden those guys are, you know, maybe moving on to the next level. But for me, that that's a win. You know, if I can have a player leave my program and go to the NHL, you know, if it means it's before they're done playing college hockey with their eligibility, I'll pack their bag, I'll shake their hand and I will drive them to the airport and thank them for being a wildcat. That's, no, one, that's,
0: that's one of the risks though, that, you know, there's a the risk reward, the reward of taking older kids is you're going to be more mature. They're going to be ready and all those things physically, but they're also ready to go. I'm ready to go to the next level now, you know, two years I'm done, you know, kind of thing. Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you, and you know what, those are good problems to have as a program yes. because it, it helps continue to feed feed the next group of guys that, that are coming through. And, um, and you know what, you got two really good years out of that player, you know, and, and, to be honest if you look at the the trajectory of a, a lot of college players unless they're undersized um if you get two good years it's either your junior or senior year or you're kind of moving on so right. you know if if you're two best years or you know sophomore junior year and you have huge numbers um you're you're, you're mov- it's just the way it is and you know it's that's part of the beast and that means you had a great player so um that that to me is just all part of it
0: Um, you know, you you, then you get this kid. He won't be here next year, probably the year after Grant Slukinski, who is just a man child. Um, is is the success of getting a kid like Grant having a assistant coach like Byron Poole, who is who lived in that area for so long up in Fargo, or is that just you fell in love with him? How did how did you guys come across Grant Slukinski?
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm really lucky to have Byron. Um, Byron saw Grant early um, you know, and, and really thought, wow, you know, he's got a, he, he's got a chance to be a good player. Um, you know, then kind of went to go see him and you fall in love with him. And then the next progression is his high school coach was in my wedding, Jay Hardwick. No um, way. Yeah. So, you know, like Jay and I played junior hockey together. So, um, you know, now you, you know, got relationships there and, um, you know, just, uh, he's, he's got a chance. Grant has a chance. I mean, I think, You know, I listened to Jay at the state tournament. I don't know if you saw it, Tony, but, um, you know, Jay's comment after the first period, Grant had, you know, whatever, five five points, points, I think. Yeah, in the first period, Um, you know, and Jay's comment was, I really wanted to get here so that everybody could see how special of a player Grant Stokinski is. And, um, you know, to have a high school coach that that is, you know, what your goal is as a coach should be. Talk about how selfless and, and, you know, how much of a a player's coach you have to be that to say something like that. And, um, you know, I think Grant showed some people um, obviously what, what his talent level can be. And um, he's gonna have a great year in Fargo and, yeah, he's going to go no, play for Cary
0: Eads and and uh, Lamaru. Uh, it's it's yeah. going to be, that's a, a really good spot for him to be in. He's still going to be somewhere close to home, but not too close to home. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be a yeah. good spot for him, for sure. It's funny, Jay Hardwick, uh, I'm not sure, if, I, you probably know this, his dad, was his grandpa was Dick Roberts. I mean, it's yeah. just, just the craziest, the, the trees up there in Warroad are on insane about, how you know, the coaching trees and the playing trees. And obviously, you know, the uh, Grant is a great grandson of Cal Marvin. I mean, it's just, yep. it's a, they, they're, they're talk about Blue Bloods. There's a lot of Blue Bloods up there in in Warroad. You're connected to a lot of them with, with Bo Christian and yeah. Dave Christian. And it's just, yep. it's uh, a. And,
1: and Grand Forks is, you know, like Grand Forks and Warroad and, you know, some of those smaller communities are, Kind of just, you know, intertwined and the state lines really don't matter. You know, you're kind of just, you're, you're in the Northern part of it. And, um, you know, you got a lot of, you can roll up playing against a lot of these guys. So you got you know real good relationships with them.
0: And that's, that's, I'm guessing that's, uh, probably one of the secrets to your success is at Northern Michigan having 64 wins in three years is, is the relationships. Talk a little bit about that and then we can put a wrap on the show.
1: Yeah. I, um, really had a good group of guys here and um you know fortunate that um taking taking the job there was um, real good leadership on the team and, and now you know really looking forward to the um you know getting more and more of, of kind of guys that you had a chance to um you know recruit you know over the last couple of years get them in the hopper and and moving them forward and you know, this year we'll have three, um, three years of recruiting classes and next year we'll have four, um, or two years from now we'll have four. So, um, returning, a um, you know, a lot of goals and, um, you know, good players and, um, really looking forward to kind of the next progression for us. It's, it's now, I think our program is, you know, through kind of that transition phase and, and now it's, you know, as Rick calmly said, Hey, you're close. you know, real close to that next step, but the next step's the hardest. And, um, you know, now we got a lot of work to do to, to kind of climb over that hump and, and get over the hill, but um, really looking forward to doing that.
0: So much excitement in your future. You know, you have a new conference in, the, in a couple of years, and that's going to change. That's going to be a game-changer, I would say, for your school and for your program as well.
1: Yeah, it will, and um, helping the pairwise wise and, and giving you more games that you can play with non-conference. And, um Uh, all kinds of good things moving forward with with Northern Michigan and the new conference.
0: Well, I can't wait to follow you. Being a friend of yours, uh, past five, six, seven years, it's fun to watch you grow as a coach and uh, we're, we're cheering for you here. We hope we'll have more and more Minnesota kids coming up to Marquette. Good luck to you in the future, Grant. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Tony. Appreciate having me.
0: All right. Take care, Grant.
1: Bye-bye.